Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, the podcast with the best Irish music out there as an intro. Brogue Wave, thank you for that, and the Cliffs of Moher, that great song. I listen to it all the time, driving up and down the freeway, gets the blood flowing, I have to make sure the Maserati doesn't hit 90, if you know what I mean. Well, I'm fired up to talk to you today about sales, mastering the art of sales, and master and arts are normally not affiliated with the dirty, filthy, capitalistic practice of sales. But I want to share with you that selling is an art, when done right, it's a craft. And when mastered, it's a beautiful experience. I want to share with you that sales is a fantastic, fabulous profession. It's come to mean different things for different people over the years. And really, any negative connotation that people have with sales is always in regards to poor sales, unskilled, unprofessional, unkind salespeople. People who put their interests over you. People who view you as a dollar bill, a check, a commission, or whatever. People who view you as a transaction. Well, guess what? That exists in every part of life. There are people who take that view towards physical interaction with another human being. They're nothing more than transactional. They're nothing more than that in regards to their interactions in business, in social life, in personal life. What can I get from you? That's a matter of the heart. And so what happens is you have people who may have impure motivation, who are in the world of sales, they need to make a living, and it's done so poorly that what happens is people who are actually in that profession for the right reason, with the right motivation, and the right heart, and the desire to serve, distance themselves from the practice of sales, or even the description of sales, because they don't want to be cut with the same brush, as we say at home. I want to talk about the magnificent journey of sales and how powerful a skill this is. This is a skill that when developed, grown, and ultimately mastered, is a game changer. It's a game changer in life, it's a game changer in economics, it's a game changer in business, it's a game changer in every aspect of anybody who wants to grow something. The dynamic is sales. So let's talk about it, first of all. Sales by its definition, Mr. Webster says, it's the action of selling something. The action of selling something. Okay. Boring, pretty basic, Brian. I hate when people use definitions of the word with the word. Here's the reason why I read it to you today. The word action. You see, most people who are in some form of sales, they are in a reaction. They're in a reaction. They want people to buy from them. They don't want to sell anything. And the reason being is their concept of what sales is. And so we're going to strip all that away today, get to the basics of what it actually is, what it's not, and then how to be great at it. So we're going to talk about three points today. That's kind of what I like to do. And so the first major point is sales is a noble profession. Sales is a noble profession. The second is sales is a contact sport. And third, we're going to cover the three questions that every client has. So sales is a noble profession. Sales is a contact sport. And the three questions that every client has. So let's talk about why so many people have a negative connotation. Here's what a bad salesperson does. A bad salesperson gets you to make a decision you don't want to make when you don't want to make it. 
That's what a bad salesperson does. They get you to make a decision you don't want to make when you don't want to make it. What's a good salesperson do? A good salesperson helps you, doesn't get you. They help you make a decision you need to make when you need to make it. A good salesperson helps you make a decision you need to make when you need to make it. I'll give you lots of examples of good and bad here today. Just so you know, the pushy, in-your-face taker that has impure motivation and just wants to separate you from your wallet, they're easy to define. Let me tell you the bad salesperson that's hard to find. The bad salesperson is the one that wants you to come to your own decision when you're supposed to come to it yourself. And the problem is, the higher the purchase price, the more significant the commitment for the individual, the more help they need in making the decision. I had a person work for me one time who showed this couple houses for over a year. So finally, the person called me. I was the leader of the team, and they said, hey, we just seen we're totally exasperated by this process, totally frustrated. I think we decided we're just going to go in a different direction. I said, well, tell me what's up and so on and so forth. And they kind of explained their interaction. This gal was the nicest gal in the world. She was so interested in making a comfortable environment for her customers. She never wanted to put pressure on them. And as a sweetheart of a person, when I talked to the client, they were frustrated because they needed help making a decision. This is a true story. I said, what are you doing this afternoon? And I went and I took them to see a house they had looked at twice. And I said, tell me what you like about this house and tell me what you don't. The things they didn't like about the house were so easily fixed. Lighting issues and things like this. Provided a few solutions, talked it through. Bottom line, they were scared to make a move. These were people in their 60s. They were making this move later in life. They were downsizing from this beautiful big home in La Jolla to this smaller home in a real nice part of town. But it was just this big decision. And I helped them make it. They bought the house that day and then listed their beautiful house in La Jolla, okay? It was over $100,000 in income. And this gal had been trying to be a nice person for over a year, and all she did was exasperate them. So here's what I'm going to share with you. A super nice person, bad salesperson. Some bad salespeople have bad motives. Most bad salespeople have actually good motives. Bad technique, bad approach. And that's what we're going to kind of strip away here today. So... We're going to talk about sales being a noble profession. Let me go real big picture with you. There is no society in the world that has a free society that doesn't have a free market. Okay? So any society in the world that has a free society, freedom to vote, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, every one of those societies has a free market. The free market does not exist without the exchange of goods and services. And the only way exchange of goods and services happen is with sales. So if you really want to pull it apart, one of the key ingredients, not the only, but one of the key ingredients in freedom of society and freedom of life is the freedom of market that's guaranteed by the ability to sell. Please tell me why you should be ashamed of being called a salesperson. Please tell me why you want to avoid being branded as a salesperson when sales is such a noble profession. The fact of the matter is, no matter what you do or how you do it, you need to be in sales. Right now, my twin daughters are being recruited to play college volleyball. It has been fascinating to go through this process because a recruiter, a college coach, college coach just wants to coach. They want to do X's and O's. They want to do plays, sets, work on defense, serve, receive, serving. That's what they want to do. That's their profession. And one of the coaches is a super dude, great guy, trust his character, know his family, know his life, know behind the scenes. We went on this college visit. It was the most uninspiring thing in the world because... He wanted the college and its location to sell itself. 
Now, I'm not looking for someone to be begging, but my daughter that day was with two of her friends. She plays on one of the top teams in the country. All three were interested in going to that university at the beginning of the day, and none of them were that interested in going to that university at the end of the day, and they couldn't really tell me why. But I sat through the whole thing. I watched it. And he was waiting for these people to make a decision. If you're a college coach, I don't know if Nick Saban is the best coach in America or not. In fact, I'm pretty much sure he's not. But I know this. He is the best college recruiter, perhaps, in the history of college athletics. And that's why Alabama is in the hunt for the national championship every year. Every single year. Last year in the national championship, he took away one of his top quarterbacks and put in another quarterback that hadn't played all year. And you know what? If that guy hadn't done well, he had another guy to replace that fella because he's a great salesman. Not a pushy salesman. Not a desperate salesman. Not a begging salesman. He is the best recruiter in the business. The other day, my wife, we've been looking around at different churches, and we went to this church, and the guy was terrific. The guy was terrific. He was solid. He treated his people well, and so on and so forth. But when it got down to I was asking him some questions about what his vision is, and so on and so forth. Small church, and the conversation with this guy always seems like it's always going to be a small church. Now, he approached things a certain way. He applied things a certain way. Very talented communicator, good-hearted guy, great scholar, all of these great things. But I said to Bev, you know, five years from now, this thing's going to be 100, 150 people still. And so you see the contrast. You see the contrast. You know, a couple of months ago, we had the Miles McPherson on, and he was talking about his new book. Now, there's a guy that has 20,000 people at his church on a Sunday morning and broadcasts and this and any other. Why? Because he's excited about what he's sharing. He's excited about what he's doing. And in therefore, you know what? He's a great salesman. Not a con man, a salesman. So I want to share with you, a salesman is someone who enthusiastic promotes what they have. Saleswoman, salesman, you engage in that profession because you believe in it. People say to me all the time, Brian, you could sell ice to an Eskimo. Not true. I can only sell what I believe in. But once I believe in it, I'm all in. If I believe what I do and how I do it will help people, I'll be relentless in it because I know, I see what I see, I know what I know. When I stand on stage and I'm talking to people about our coaching program, I've seen it for 22 years. I've seen the average client come to us making 35 grand a year and our average client is making over 360 grand. They got their goals set. They have their priorities. They get their time management. They get their budgets in place. So why would I not enthusiastically, excitedly talk? Now, here's the thing. If I do a two-day seminar, I might mention our coaching program for a minute of a whole two-day seminar. And hundreds and hundreds of people will sign up for the coaching program. Why? Because I'm totally sold myself. I'm totally enthusiastic about it. And I don't mind telling people, by the way, if you're going to get involved in the program, today is the day. Get in today. Stop mucking around. If you're interested in this, go for it. Stop mucking around. I help them make a decision. Okay? So... Harvey McKay said, to me, job titles don't matter. Everyone is in sales. One of my favorite all-time quotes, Estee Lauder. And if you ever really want to Google a fantastic story, one of the greatest business people who's ever lived is Estee Lauder. Here's a French immigrant. She's in New York trying to make it in the makeup and fragrance business. She's getting shut out everywhere along the line. Her first thing, she set up a table at this one department store, and they were kicking her out after a day. And what did she do? She dropped the bottle, one of her bottles of perfume. And this lady comes over, oh, that smells amazing. What's that? And she, here, try this, try that, try this, try that. Today, approximately 90% of all the makeup sold in the world is owned by Estee Lauder brands. They own dozens of the most famous brands. What did she say? Now, this is a woman building a business in the early 1900s. And she goes, I have never worked a day in my life without selling. If I believe in something 
and I sell it, I sell it hard. The fact of the matter is, if you're selling your services, the first thing you have to do is believe in yourself and then promote it. Because you sell it hard doesn't mean you talk all the time about it. And we'll talk about technique here today. Zig Ziglar said, I've always said that everyone's in sales. Maybe you don't hold the title of salesperson. But if the business you are in requires you to deal with people, you, my friend, are in sales. So you might be in customer service. You're in sales. You might, whatever it is, when you're dealing with people, you have to sell something. Let me tell you, when you're a parent, you're in sales. By the way, kids are great at sales. Okay, I take the typical four-year-old over the typical adult when it comes to sales. Kids are great at selling, promoting, and helping people make a decision. So sales is a noble profession. Most salespeople, though, want their customer to buy something from them, don't want to sell anything. And if you're wired that way, you're a facilitative person by nature, we're going to do a podcast with Kevin Buffini on the different styles of selling that people have, motivator versus facilitator. And here's what, I'm a very motivational style by nature, but I need you to understand, I've attracted more than 60% of my customers are more facilitative in nature. And the reason being is you, you learn to speak everyone else's language, okay? Mark Cuban said, selling is never about convincing, it's always about helping. I don't care if you're a motivator or a facilitator, you can get your head around helping. My enthusiasm and motivation comes in the form of serving, and serving to get people to make a decision that they need to make. So, people love to buy is another principle here. People love to buy. Give them the opportunity. You remember the show Sex in the City? Carrie Bradshaw said, shopping is my cardio. Okay, people love shopping. It's fantastic. It is a chemical release in the body when you buy something. Okay, so enjoy the process. Allow people to enjoy the process. What I have experienced, I'll tell this story. After my house burned down in 2007, I had two brand new Mercedes. One for me, one for my bride that burned down in the driveway. So I have hundreds of things to do. We got out at the last minute for that fire with the clothes on our back. We got nothing. Everything in our life burned down. We homeschooled our kids. Our school was in our basement. The whole thing is gone. And so I'm starting from scratch. I have to go buy two new cars. I go back to the dealership. I bought the cars from just 90 days before. And I want to tell you that it was an excruciating process. And the salesperson, I walked in and said, give me a gray one. Give me the charcoal one. I want to buy it now. Oh, no. You got to watch the video. No, no. Oh, we have all these upgrades. No, no. You need test drive. I don't need test drive. The car's three months old. And what I called them was the sales prevention team. I said, I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I'm up against the gun. I have hundreds and hundreds of things to do. The most basic, I'm going to Canada next week. I got to get a passport. There's so many things. I don't have suits. I don't have shirts. I don't have underwear. I just need two bleeding cars. And the guy wouldn't let me buy them without going through. I walked out the door and I bought two different cars. And I walked in the door to the next salesman. I said, are you going to let me buy a car if I want to buy it right now? He said, yes, sir. Great. Sometimes people need that. Sometimes they need weeks and weeks and months and months to buy. But the bottom line is you have to really, really give people the opportunity to buy. Then give them what they need. Okay? Here's another part. A major, major principle right here. Sales is a contact sport. Sales is a contact sport, right? So sales is a noble profession, but it is a contact sport. In football, you put on shoulder pads because you're going to get hit. Right? You're going to give hits. You're going to receive hits. If you don't like hitting, don't be in football. If you don't like contact with other human beings, don't be in sales. Simple as that. you got to enjoy it. you got to enjoy the interaction. And the highest form of sales that exists is getting out of the office and get face-to-face. So when we talk about getting face-to-face to our customers, it's actually something we teach in many elements of our work and by referral system, whether it's going to take a customer for lunch, throwing a client party, 
One of our favorite techniques we teach is called a Popeye, where we tell our members and show them how to go and visit their favorite customers and bring them a little, just a little something, just a little, not real expensive. So, you know, a couple of weeks before July 4th, everybody's barbecuing. Go down to Costco, get ketchup, mustard, relish packs. You know, three condiments in one. And we put a little tag we create for them. Just popping by to catch up and let you know that I relish your referrals from your realtor who really cuts the mustard, right? So it's a little aha uh-huh, kind of fun thing. You know how many tens of thousands of those condiment packs are bought from Costco every year because our clients are going to get them? And so we do the same thing, maybe pie at Thanksgiving or sometimes it's a little calculator around tax time. Getting face-to-face, bringing a little something to special people. That's what we want you to do. So every quarter, we recommend our members go and pop by their favorite clients. Now, not everybody. You know, the client that's marginal, you're not popping by and bringing them a little gift. It's those things that you go see people. And the more you get to know people, the more you can personalize things. You know, you might bring a gift card by for Starbucks, but when you really get to know them, they might be into Pete's Coffee, and you might come by with a little personalized bag of Pete's Coffee, you know, things like that. So my A-plus clients, all of the guests on this show and so on and so forth, our sound engineer, Danny Iverson. He is one of these coffee aficionados. And it's cool. I've seen this process. It looks great. And so what do I have? Danny will buy these beans. Hey, correct me at any time here. Danny gets these beans from Guatemala, and he roasts these things, and he does this, and it's from this one field, and only a thousand plants in this field, and all this stuff. And we write a little story. And so he'll produce this bag of just beautifully fresh roasted coffee. I'll get these beans put them in this beautiful black bag with the Brian Buffini Show logo on it. I'll write a personal note, and I'll send it to every guest I've had on the show or all the people we're inviting on the show or my A-plus clients, and we write a little story about Danny and the coffee. Again, great. Now, some of my clients told me they're into tea, so I found tea. Today, I have a few of my clients. They were dealing with sore throats. One of my staff raises bees, and we got this custom little honey. This is stuff I'm doing today. It's just face-to-face, you know, Building relationships. I'm thinking about you. Here's something special, okay? Richard Branson, okay? Nobody talks about him being a small business owner, okay? Virgin Airlines, Virgin Atlantic, uh, you know, Virgin Communications, Virgin Music, the whole deal. He says, the quality of business communications has become poorer in recent years as people have avoided phone calls and face-to-face meetings. He said, I can only assume it's some misguided quest for efficiency. So true. So true. And what do we have today? Oh, we're going to use artificial intelligence. In the real estate business, we have all of these online lead generators. Oh, this is going to generate a thousand leads for you and this and any other. And they're not. They're inquiries on the internet. Garbage. Just piles of garbage. And I've seen people spending $10,000 a month on these piles of garbage. It's funny. One of the presidents of one of these companies recently said, hey, we just built a big telemarketing business in Minnesota to call these garbage leads because we don't want you wasting time on the leads we send you. So we're going to improve the quality of the garbage by sorting through the garbage for you. The thought is, oh, I'll be on the beach and I'll be getting leads on my phone and this will be all done for me. When you sort through garbage, you just get more quality garbage. That's all it is. Face-to-face. It is more powerful today than ever before. All business used to be done face-to-face. If you tour Buffini Company, if you're ever in Southern California, please come through and visit our buildings here. We give tours all the time. And one of the things you'll see is my grandfather's paint and decorate sign, Buffini Company. And if you'll notice closely, you'll see the sign and the name, the address. The fact of the matter is, if you notice 
the board, you'll see that the painting for the phone number is different than the painting on the board. And the reason being is the phone number was added many years later. In order to do business with my grandfather, believe it or not, you used to have to write him a letter and say, Dear Mr. Buffini, would you come by and give me an estimate? And you'd write a letter to his home address on the boards he had on the jobs. And now, as things progress, they change with the time, right? Principles don't change, tactics do. They put a phone number on there so you could call them, okay? Now, today, all right, that methodology might not quite get us where we want to go, but the principle's still the same. Face-to-face, voice-to-voice, that's where the magic is, okay? Brian Tracy said this, everything in business is to get face-to-face with people to respond to your offer, okay? So we talk about these things, and so... The next major point here is what percentage of your time are you actually selling? And so I recently commissioned a company to do a survey. Again, we have 47 industries we serve. Our main thrust is in real estate. So we surveyed thousands and thousands of realtors in a blind, anonymous study done by a third party. The question was, what do you do with your day? And here was the answers. The number one block of time was 37% of their time, working time, was spent doing errands. Now, one of the beautiful things about being self-employed, you can get out and about while other people are kind of in a nine-to-five job. So there's a benefit to that. But if it's 37% of your day, you're not getting paid for that. You're in trouble. Admin, paperwork was 19%. Email, 18%. It doesn't mean you don't do admin, and it doesn't mean you don't do email, especially if you're in a real estate business. You've got to be doing the paperwork. But here's the thing. It's what you do and when you do it. If you do it first thing in the morning, you're cleaning the desk, doing the paperwork, responding to email, when your energy's at the highest, that's the wrong time to be doing it. And so, to me, again, that's another 37%. That's a lot. 12% surfing the web. So, so far, we've had 37% on errands, 37% email and admin, 12% surfing the web. You do the math. There's only about 14% left. And the 86% we're talking about so far, all together, you don't get paid for a single part of it. Social media was another 11%. And then talking to clients was 3%. And that's why most people struggle. The bottom line is your job is to get out and about. My good friend Joe Nego, he developed a dialogue we call the mayor campaign because he ran his business. He lives in the south side of Chicago, and he said, if I was running for office, I want to know who would vote for me. And when people are running for office, they do run. They promote, they market, they're kissing babies, shaking hands, they're face-to-face, they're voice-to-voice, they get out and do the vote, okay? It doesn't matter if they're running for the White House. They're on the planes, and they're doing six, seven, eight stops a day, face-to-face, voice to voice. Brian Tracy again said, there's never enough time to do everything, but there is always enough time to do the most important thing. Here's the transformation. What if someone goes from 3% a day talking to a client to 6% of their day talking to clients? You know what will happen? They will actually more than double their income. And they go from 3% to 10%. They will actually more than triple their income. It's as simple as that. Face-to-face, voice-to-voice, sales is a contact sport. Here's the characteristics of a great salesperson, okay? Now, I'm going to give this example once again by starting with the bad. So here's how I spot a bad salesperson a mile away. I won't buy from them. I won't do business with them. Just on a point of professional order, I won't. No matter how much I need their service, I won't buy it, okay? So here's the characteristics. They don't listen. They try to convince by the quantity of their words and the volume of their voice. And they are rigid in regards to the needs of the client. So they don't listen to you. So they don't ask questions. They just talk, 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 and they talk loudly. That's why the most unskilled, lowest paid salespeople in the world are telemarketers. They call you, hello, and off they read the script. 
It's not a very nice business for them. They typically don't get nice responses from people. But they're the lowest paid, lowest skilled salesperson. Not that I don't honor them for trying. But the reason is nothing in a telemarketer's world is designed to listen, connect, or interact. So the bad salesperson is rigid in regards to the need of the customer. Let's say they're asking for something you can't offer. At least give them that, well, let me see what I can do. Let me try my best. Let's see what I can figure out and give it some time. And maybe you will figure out a solution, okay? Let's get down the right path here. What's a characteristic of a great salesperson? First, they listen for emotional wants and provide logical justification. Here's a great principle. People buy emotionally and justify logically. People buy emotionally and justify logically. Now, the danger in that, the wrong kind of person, can manipulate emotionally. So you never want to even go near that line, right? But you listen for the emotional wants. When someone's buying a house, they're not like, I want two by sixes, and I need... And it doesn't matter if they're a contractor. People are buying emotionally. When people are selling their house, I've helped engineers that were the most anal, detailed people, practical, seemed to be the most unemotional people you can imagine. But when it came to selling their house, they're selling their home. And they'd say, well, my house is worth this because... Even though the house next door is identical and it's sold for 300000 I think mine's worth three fifty because of the tile I put in the bathroom. I had an engineer look at me one time and say, our house gets a breeze that the next-door neighbor doesn't. Honest to goodness. And th- this guy worked in the Salk Institute in San Diego. He was a genius. But nobody's a genius when it comes to the emotions of their own purchase and sale. Okay, So you listen for emotional wants and provide logical justification. Next, great salesperson helps the client come to a conclusion by asking them questions. Not manipulation. Helps the client come to a conclusion by asking them questions. We want to have the kids in school by so-and-so and so-and-so. Okay, great. So where are we at today? All right, so if we put the house on the market tonight and it takes us uh, 60 days to sell it, another 45 days to uh, do a transaction, we need to probably add an extra 15 to 20 days just in case the transaction falls out and we have to sell it again. So that's 120 days. That's four months from now. Guess what? So you really want to have your kid in school by then? We probably need to list your house 10 days ago. We're probably late. We need to get a giddy up on this if that's what you want. Okay? That's the deal. And then a great salesperson is flexible to the client's needs within the confines of a predetermined structure. So there's things I can and can't do, but I'm going to be flexible inside that to try to custom fit it for the customer. So we want to be all about that. We want to be all about those kinds of things. All right? We want to understand that sales is a contact sport. We want to make sure that we embrace it as a contact sport, that we're going to get out of the office and get connected. We're going to spend a higher percentage of our day actually doing the sales. And we want to embrace the characteristics of a great salesperson. So the great Ogmandino, boy, he taught me a lot about sales. He wrote a book that sold over 25 million copies called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it's set around AD 30. It's a great story, kind of set in biblical times. It's really cool. But there's 10 principles that are passed on from one great salesperson to another. So I actually recorded a podcast called The Ancient Scrolls of Success. It's episode 94. So if you're new to our podcast, go back and find episode 94. It's a fantastic treatment of the greatest salesman in the world and the 10 principles that Og teaches on how to be a great salesperson. Last but not least, I'm going to introduce you to the three questions that changed my career. It was October... 1986, and I went to a success seminar in San Diego County. My mentor at the time, Mr. Gene Kuhlman, said, hey, have you ever been to a motivational seminar? And I said, no, I have not. 
And so I went. Changed my life. That day I heard from Tommy Hopkins. I heard from Zig Ziglar. I heard from Jim Rohn. All these guys would have a huge influence on me. And then I also heard from a man, again, who not only had a huge influence on me, but became a great friend and mentor, the great Lou Holtz. And Lou Holtz, here he is, this super successful coach of Notre Dame, okay? Growing up in Ireland, you didn't know much about college football, but you knew who the fighting Irish were. And Lou Holtz turned around six losing football teams and took him to win six ball games within two years of every place he ever went. He was the king of the turnaround because he was a great salesman. He was a great recruiter because great players make a coach look like a great coach. And here's what he started out with. He said, there's three questions that every client has. And those questions I heard, and the reason I remember October 1986 is that this is when I went from unconsciously wanting to promote and sell to becoming a salesperson that ultimately would go on to master's craft. Can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? And do you care about me? In this order. Can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? And do you care about me? These are the three questions that every single client you will ever encounter has about you. Can I trust you? And that's trusting your character. Are you good at what you do? That's your competence. And then specifically, do you care about me? When I send somebody some Danny Iverson roasted coffee, I'm letting them know I care about them. When I send someone some of Mario's honey when they have a sore throat, that's because I care about them. Can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? Do you care about me? When you guys become part of our insiders club, Okay, we get to know more about you. We get to know more of your preferences. It allows us to care for you more. That's what having a business relationship is all about. And you'd go check out the BrianBuffiniShow.com and find out how to become a member of our Insiders Club. It's free, but it just allows us to deepen our relationship and connection with you even further. So let's talk about it. Can I trust you? Albert Einstein said this, Whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. Can I trust you? It's just the most valuable currency. Today we have, even in colleges now, my sons called me the other day, and they had a professor talking about situational ethics. And he had a class on situational ethics. Here's the ethics for these different situations. And basically, this guy was making the case that you can have different ethics in different circumstances. Here's when it's okay to lie, and here's when it's not. Okay? Now, I'm not taking it to an extreme, right? Honey, did this dress make my butt look big is not a question of ethics. That's just a question of being smart and staying married, okay? But the fact of the matter is, situational ethics is not ethics. Can I trust you? You got to be faithful with a little to be given much. Can I trust you, okay? And sometimes it's, can I trust you with the details? Sometimes, can I trust you with the follow-up? You said you were going to do this. Did you do it? And then did you take enough time to follow up and let me know? Can I trust you? Uh, Can I trust you when I refer you? I give my endorsement to you. I put my name to your name and my reputation to your reputation. Do you say thank you? Do you do a great job? Do you follow up? Okay. Can I trust you? Next, are you good at what you do? You know, many people don't realize Walt Disney. You know, Disney today is one of the mega, mega corporations in the world. I think it's the 12th or 13th largest company on the stock exchange. Okay. Walt Disney started out with drawings and Mickey Mouse and was told he wasn't very creative. But Walt Disney built a phenomenal company on this principle. Do what you do so well that people will want to see it again and bring their friends. Do what you do so well that people will want to see it again and bring your friends. Simple principle. I'm just going to tell you, do what you do and be faithful with it. So many people, 
they're constantly focused on where they want to go. And people who are ambitious, and I love that, people who are listening to the podcast, reading books, are ambitious. But they're not willing to grow where they're planted. There's a great proverb that says, Do you see a man skilled in his labor? He'll serve before kings. I want you to think about this for a second. For the past 22 years, I've been a real estate trainer. For the nine years before that, I was a real estate agent. I focused my craft on serving people in the buying and selling of homes. And I learned a lot of stuff along the way. I learned about personal growth so I could grow. I learned about being a businessman so I could have a business. I learned about sales so I could do a better job. And then I learned how to train and teach and motivate so I could teach what I learned to other people. And I just focused and focused and focused. People would come to me, you are the best thing I never heard of. You know, why aren't you famous all over the world? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? If you look at the people I've had a chance to meet and interact with, I look at pictures on my wall. As I'm sitting in here at the Buffini studio, here's a picture of me and Neil Armstrong together. Here's the first man on the moon that we got to come out of retirement and make his first speaking engagement at a Brian Buffini real estate seminar. Later developed a friendship. I was an influential person in his life to get him to write his biography for a very private guy. Do you see a man skilled in his labor? I train real estate agents. What am I doing with the first man on the moon? The time this recording, you know, the anniversary of 9-11 wasn't so long ago. Here's a picture of me with Mayor Rudy Giuliani. What am I doing with that guy? I train real estate agents. Here's a picture of me with Magic Johnson. Okay? Hall of Fame basketball player, owns a piece of the Dodgers, general manager of the Lakers. What's he doing? He's sitting on stage, cracking up on stage of Brian Buffini. Brian Buffini, the son of a house painter. Brian Buffini came with 92 bucks in his wallet. Brian Buffini, real estate trainer. Who's that guy? Nobody. But show me a man skilled in his labor. He'll serve before kings. I have walls and walls of these pictures all over the place of all these relationships. You've gotten to participate and hear podcasts. We've done tons of these podcasts and all of the who's who and the biggest bestsellers in the world and the most famous people out there speaking and training and business leaders. Why? Why is that? Show me a person skilled in their labor, they'll serve before kings. That's why. Whatever you do, do it well. Be faithful with the job at hand. Be great at it. If you're on a job, you'll be seen, you'll get a promotion. You will. You will. It's in that company's best interest to put the best person in the best spot. If you own a business, you keep being faithful, you keep doing the right thing, your business will grow. It's just a matter of time. Okay? People don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. The do you care about me part is huge. Do you care about me? Can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? You'll serve before kings. Do you care about me? Holt said, I followed three rules. Do the right thing, do the best you can, and always show people you care. Lou was a tough coach. He was a grinder to his players. But for years and years afterwards, he has great influence. To this day, sometimes I'll come across an athlete that's struggling or whatever else that I have a relationship with. Hey, Lou, could you do me a favor? What else can I do? What else can I do? Ask me to do something hard. After he does something, he always says, ask me to do something hard. He's just fantastic, the best. And he still lives by it now in his late 70s, right? Can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? Do you care about me? I heard that in 1986. I applied those. I built systems behind that. I built how-tos behind that. It transformed my sales career and helped me build a business. Now, I'm asked all the time, you know, what do you have and what do you do? And again, we do this podcast for a number of reasons. We started to provide this content. Sometimes I'm out doing live events and I would do this fantastic event and it would be heard only one time and no one would ever hear it again. And my coffee roasting sound engineer, one of the things he does, he travels to these different events. So sometimes we bring you a live recording. Sometimes the team in here with Julie and David Lally and Murph, the intern, they'll help me build original content. So there's stuff that we just create for you guys to hear. 
It's all designed, first, for the members we have, second, for the insiders we have, and third, as a way to support and encourage people out there who want to be on their journey of success, and some of them want to get a little more involved with what we do and who we are. It's beautiful stuff. Well, about every seven years or so, for the past 21 years, I have built and created a training program. So our last training program, the most successful in the history of real estate, that then has had many, many other small business owners take it. Tens and tens, hundreds of thousands of people have gone through our training. And I've been working on this latest one. It's, it's coming out in the next couple of weeks, and it's called The Pathway to Mastery. And if you get a chance to go check it out, if you really want to become a master of sales and run a great business, this training is facilitated through facilitators and brokers and managers, but it's also done online through Buffini Company if you want. And so I teach principles like the law of the harvest. What are the things to sow and so you can reap? The stacking effect, which is our work and buy referral system. We talk about today's buyers, how the world has changed, how the market's changed, how millennials have changed, and how to actually work with these new folks. We talk about the seven essentials of negotiation, and negotiation is one of the key ingredients to success. We talk about business planning, and you have to have it in writing. And so we help you with your time management plan, your financial management plan, and then help you with your goals and your future plan. Put it all together. And so it's very, very powerful. So just check that out. If you want to go to Buffini and Company, you have to spell the whole thing out. So buffiniandcompany.com slash pathway. And you should check that out. You'll see some cool videos on it. It might be your cup of tea. Maybe you know someone who uh, could benefit from it. But that's coming out real exciting. It's kind of like producing a movie. Uh, They take a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. So that one's coming out. I know that's going to be great for folks. So we're excited about that in the next couple of weeks. So that'll be uh, rocking the world here. So you can get in on the front end of that one. Anywho. So, you know, it's good. Actually, I'm excited that I'm promoting the Pathway to Mastery because it's a great way to demonstrate the very thing I'm talking to you today about, which is I'm excited about that Pathway to Mastery program because I know it's going to change people's lives. I know the work that's gone into it. I know the results we've been able to get for people. And I'm excited and enthusiastic to share it with all of you. If I believe in something, I sell it and I promote it. And I hope you do too. Remember, sales is the action of selling something. So this is not a drama. This is not a comedy. This is an action movie. And you have to be an action star. And so you need to strap it on. And so mastering the action of sales as an art Remember, sales is a noble profession. You're part of something special. Remember, sales is a contact sport. We've got to be willing to make contact. And remember, there's three questions that every client has, and the great Lou Holtz gave me. Can I trust you? Are you good at what you do, and do you care about me? You go do that. You'll be well on your way to begin in the process of mastering the art of sales. And speaking of that, we have a master here in the studio today, Mr. David Lally. He has a few wonderful words to share with you. Thanks, Brian. This content was on the money for me today. I've never really been comfortable selling. In fact, when my band Brogue Wave plays shows, I tend to avoid the part where I tell them we have CDs for sale. But that's not the case with our host. In fact, one night he and Joe Nigo, arguably two of the top salespeople in America, were in the crowd. So we get Brian to join us for a song, because he's been known to do that. And afterward, he stopped the show and asked the crowd, Hey, did you guys enjoy yourselves? How about you buy a CD to take home? No kidding, he and Joe ended up selling more CDs that night than we had for a full year. We literally ran out of them. So yeah, he's a good salesman and a very, very good trainer. 
I'm involved in the creation of content with him every day here at the company, so I do know how much time, energy, and effort these training programs take. The pathway to mastery is no different. It's incredible to see it come to life with all the scores of people and departments who've been involved here at the company. I'm very excited for any of you guys listening who decide to take it. And until next time, Therese Buffini sends us on our way with an Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. <laughs>